Hello and welcome to the Human and Machine podcast. My name is Jakob Marquardt. I'm your co-host um, of the show. The Human and Machine podcast, of course, we are based here in Johannesburg in South Africa. Um, we focus on everything manufacturing, industrial technology and industrial automation. And I have with me back from leave today, my co-host Lenny. Lenny, welcome back. Ah, thank you, Jakob. That was a, a good rest. I'm glad to be back. I'm sure it was just too short, as mm-hmm. it always is. Well, they say from the fatting to the fire. Normally, <laughs> when you get back from leave, there's um, hundreds of stuff that you need to follow up. But yeah, no, it was a very good break. Thanks. Awesome. It depends, it depends on what you're doing. It feels like sometimes I come back to the office to get to have a rest. <laughs> Spending time with the family. 100%. So if you missed last week, Lenny obviously wasn't with us last week. Clarice um, joined me in hosting Sinele Goba last week's podcast. Fascinating chat with Sinele, really incredible work that she's doing around education and awareness in the STEM field. Specifically, if you're not familiar with what that is, that is obviously science, technology, engineering and mathematics. Um, And Sinele is doing some incredible work with really ground roots level with with kids in, in KZN just to hopefully entice them and, and, and help them cultivate a little bit of love for mathematics and STEM um, over and above her day job, uh, which is, of course, being a systems integrator in, in our space in the industrial world. So there, there was a really cool podcast with Sonelia. If you missed that last week, be sure to listen to that one. Today, we're recording. <laughs> we, we've been threatening to have a chat with uh, Kudzai for a couple of weeks now, and we did have a recording with Kudzai, unfortunately, uh, something went awry with the uh, with with the file itself. It was corrupted a little bit, so we had to re-record with Kudzai, which is absolutely fine. We enjoyed the first chat that we had with him. If you're not familiar with Kudzai, Kudzai Mandi Teresa is uh, a little bit of a online celebrity. I almost want to say in our world, yeah, definitely. We're not celebrities at all, but he no. he is a celebrity in the automation world, definitely. Yeah, no, he's, he's reached quite phenomenal levels with, with what he's doing. So Kudzai is the founder of Industry 4.0 TV, which is an online education platform. I really focused on the automation and control uh, world and engineers specifically to help learn and master Industry 4.0 skills. Of course, very important um, uh, bit of education that he's doing in terms of being quite practical in, 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 in application of some of the videos and tutorials and things, things that uh, Kudzai is building. But what is amazing and extraordinary to us is the audience that Kudzai has been able to, to build up. Um, again, he's, he had very big ambitions a couple of years starting out with this, and he's built up a, a phenomenal audience um, on LinkedIn, on the platform, as well as on YouTube. So that's industry4o.tv. So Kudzai, we're re-recording with you today. Apologies again for the first one, but again, we really don't mind re-recording with you. Um, We thoroughly enjoyed our first chat, but awesome to have you back with us. Well, thank you so much for having me uh, again on the show. Uh, I'm more than uh, happy to actually join you for the second time because I really enjoyed our, our conversation the last time. So I look forward to a very fun conversation today. Fantastic. Uh, maybe let's start in the beginning. You've yeah. you've been doing this for a couple of years now. Where did it start for you? Okay, so uh, basically for me, this started uh, sometime around uh, 2014. Uh, so the, the, the reason behind what I'm doing today really started with me uh, putting out some uh, content 
just to 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 sort of like raise awareness uh, with the industrial IoT systems uh, on how to actually uh, on, on how companies can actually benefit from uh, um, uh, implementing industrial IoT solutions. So in a way, that was just a a, a way for me to sort of like drum up some 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 clientele. But uh, it ended up actually being something that I realized that I was really passionate about, you know, uh, writing articles, creating videos, and so forth. So I, I ended up like really committing to doing it uh, full time. But it, it wasn't until uh, 2019, which is last year, when I really uh, thought about building a, a company around it. So Industry 40 uh, uh, TV has been around for about a year. But myself uh, in the education space, I've been doing it for about six years. Uh, yeah, about six years now. That's amazing. And we, and I mean, the passion to do this, because I, I hear what you're saying about initially it was a way for you to do some business development, I suppose, uh, for the work that you're doing. But I mean, being an educator and being the kind of educator that you are and, and, and the passion that you have for it, is it something that you've always had? So, well, it was kind of a, a revelation for me uh, as well. Uh, <laughs> a bit I of a surprise. <laughs> I, I, I never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was a, certainly a, a surprise uh, for me because, like, I never really felt like I was putting in much work, like work at all, when I was uh, doing the videos, and like the kind of fascination or the kind of attention that I would actually give. To, to 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 content creation and, and and education was just so 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 phenomenal phenomenal that I I had to really dig dig deep to 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 really understand what it means for me and then I realized that this is something that I'm really passionate about so for me it wasn't something that was really clear uh, from the get go or maybe to a certain extent I I didn't think of how I could actually build a, a company. Uh, around that, I always thought about uh, software development, industrial automation. So for me, it was something that was very foreign. Uh, that thought of actually uh, building an education company, it was yeah. something that was very foreign. But when I got to, to a point where I realized that this is one thing that I really enjoy. I mean, when I find out exactly how things work, when I read stuff, when I investigate stuff, when I experiment stuff, the just the the fulfillment and the joy that I, I actually get from from realizing how things work or how this connects to that is it's is, is, is so so amazing for me so i thought that this is something that i, I really need to lean into and and, and put uh, all of my effort into so it, it wasn't something that was really obvious for me uh, from the beginning yeah and you obviously studied electronic engineering and i think lenny you said it a couple of times we find that with engineers they have the ability to teach themselves yeah, I think engineering, engineering, yes, it, it teaches you the basic of your field or your discipline, but a big th part of engineering is just the, the way to, to teach yourself, to go and do research, to, to do the, the investigation yourself on how things work, figure out how things work, and then apply it to whatever your discipline is. So yeah, I, I always say that engineering, they teach themselves how to teach pretty much in, yeah. in a nutshell as well. So Kuzai, you did electronic engineering and then you, and, and while on your engineering journey, I suppose, if you want to call it that, you discovered that uh, what your passion truly is and what excites you and what you would probably want to do for the rest of your career. Um, and that's really finding the 
the, the sort of small nuggets of, of clarity and explanation around how to practically do things that many people are not sure or have wondered about how to do it or are just confused about doing. And on the back of that, I think Industry 4.0, I think you have more than 2,500 followers at the moment. I mean, it's just a, just a phenomenal, phenomenal platform that you've created. And uh, I follow all your updates and all your videos and all your tutorials quite closely, and I've, I've watched a couple of them. So you've, I, I think looking at the past couple of ones, you speak about OPC UA, just what it is, <laughs> what it is, uh, what it means, how it works. Uh, I think you've created some node red connections. You've worked with Raspberry Pi. Uh, you've done some SQL stuff. So it's quite wide and quite broad, but all within the, the IoT kind of space. Yeah, yes, certainly. So, well, I think, uh, again, another point that I need to make is, um, is the fact that upon realizing that uh, teaching stuff or finding out about uh, how things work uh, is something that I really want to do, it so happened that uh, I was actually starting on this journey of uh, industrial automation and also there was uh, in the industrial IoT also coming up uh, in the around 2014. It was already there, but it wasn't something that was uh, uh, prominent. So when these two uh, realities actually it became, uh, I realized that also there is a shortage of information around how people could actually go about implementing uh, industrial IoT solutions. Because as, a, as an engineer myself, it's something, it's, it's an opportunity that I thought really needed to be uh, taken advantage of. So when I went out there to look for uh, information on how to implement industrial IoT solutions, on how to uh, build this system from scratch, I couldn't like really find anything uh, out there. So I thought to myself, this is something that I could actually feel. This is a gap that I could actually feel. Uh, so hence, uh, I try to cover as much ground as possible because there really is a, a, a huge shortage of, of, of information around how to integrate uh, uh, particularly process automation systems with, uh, with the cloud uh, computing platforms and also how to really uh, get information out of the, the uh, various automation systems. So I try and uh, address a whole lot of, uh, of, of different uh, cases starting from the Raspberry Pi up to like some big uh, automation systems. Yeah, and I think I think I think you're 100 correct. Um, could say that there's there. I would say there is material, but it's all it's all marketing stuff, right? It's all the nice infographics about how the the connected, you know, the notion of the connected plant and how that works. Um, and what I love of what what you're doing is um, obviously we're sitting with a mixed bag, right? We're sitting with legacy devices. We're sitting with legacy old brownfields plants. Um, and I think that sometimes people think that, oh, I've got a legacy solution. It's a barrier to entry for me to even start looking at this thing. And this, this notion of connected plant is not something that I'm going to achieve. But what I love what you're doing is, is breaking down that concept and breaking down those perceptions that legacy and brownfields cannot work with this. It's showing us how to, from a device level, looking at the device protocols, and doesn't matter what those device protocols is from a, from a brownfield solution, you can still go and achieve and get that data out and achieve your connected plant as per se by using your practical solution. So I 100% agree with that. Um, I also agree that I love the, that the fact that you are broadening the scope 
it's it's as you mentioned it doesn't matter you don't you're not affiliated to to you, you're more concerned about the ideas and the concepts and how to mm. achieve it um i think that it's a very noble thing that you're doing so i do think that the vendors would would obviously try and do you know promoting their way of doing it and not looking at the whole global picture as per se or getting this kind of open standards solution that we need and require for IoT to actually work at the end of the day. I talk about it a lot. I talk about the broker centric kind of yeah. architecture. And I talk about utilizing open standards in that solution. Um, and we need someone like you definitely that shows us how that would work. And doesn't matter what the software or the automation layer is that you've got in place, you can definitely, definitely achieve it. So I applaud you for that. Um, I also applaud you for just getting new technology and new um, protocols a little bit more broadly um, acknowledged. I mean, Yaku spoke about OPC UA. Um, there's, a, there's a stat that um, from, from the Canary side, Canary historian, where they've done a survey where they find that 85% of the mm. current Canary install base still uses OPC DA, legacy OPC DA comms. Comes, yeah. and, and I'm so glad that you're actually taking these concepts <laughs> And it just educating about mm -hmm. OPC UA, what's the difference, what's the benefits, how, I mean, DA with DA comms and that's, it's dead, it's dead in the water. So people need to start investigating and investing in these new technologies. And then, then the road to IoT or connected factory or connected plant, whatever you want to call it, becomes easier, becomes simpler. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just to, to, to add on the, on the OPC UA, uh, uh, issue there for me when I came across. I think I started writing about uh, OPCUA sometime in 2016 or so. Because when I came across OPCUA, uh, it was something that was really amazing for me to actually find out that there is a, a, a kind of a standard that allows you to 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 build sophisticated systems. So my my uh, uh, sentiment at the time was that this is being someone who's new in automation. I thought that this is something that is like already widespread. So as yeah. I spoke to different engineers and different people, I found out that people really don't know how OPC UA works at all. Like most of the, even, even the people who are using OPC UA, they are <laughs> not using it to its functionality. And, yeah. and so it was something that was really something for me that I really discovered to say, okay, so it seems that there is in, as you rightly pointed out, that was actually a, a staggering statistic that you uh, just mentioned there, Lenny, to say 80% of, 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 of the implementations are still in OPC. That exactly, exactly speaks to what I discovered as well, to say there's not much uh, 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 implementation of OPC UA applications out there. So I thought to myself that this is actually an opportunity for me to put out uh, the information out there to try and inspire. And the response that I've actually got from that is, 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 is so amazing because there's people come to me and say, I didn't know that OPC UA could actually do that. I mean, they've been using OPC UA, they've got devices that talk OPC UA, like OPC UA is all around us, but they don't really understand the full capabilities of uh, what OPC UA can, uh, yeah. can do. So that's exactly one of the things that really drive me to to try and create content to to fill the void wherever I see that there is a, a shortage of information. I think it's part of the secret, Kuzais. I think the topics that you're covering is is extremely relevant. Um, it is helpful, and I think the manner in which you do it, in terms of just being simplistic and and 
to the point and practical and how you do it. I think that, I think all of those things is what what attracts people and what what has made it so successful. Yeah, and I think I think what you also a little bit of a barrier that you that you also you know breaking down a bit is, is I think people think these things is expensive. It's do you do you find that goods are? Do you find that there's a lot of noise and confusion around the scale and the cost and what's involved with these kind of projects? Because the way that you're doing it, you know, quickly putting out a pie, obviously to show the concepts, but it should not be probably going to have a little bit more rugged device for industrial applications, but it should not be a massive cost entry to to start doing these things that you are doing in your videos. Yes, certainly. Uh, Funny enough, because I was actually having a, a, a conversation with one of the students uh, who watches my, uh, my my videos because they they do uh, machine learning, they do data science. So uh, he was actually saying that he watched one of my videos the way I just did something in less, less than 10 minutes. He went to the lecturers and asked them, why are we not doing this thing? Because I always thought that this is something that we're going to do later on in the course or maybe we don't have the equipment here at, at the school or I thought that like there were so many things involved to actually get to to build an actual uh, machine learning uh, system. But when I saw you, your videos, I realized that this is something that is simple; it's not even costly at all. So it, it's something that is uh, is wide. Even when you go to corporate, uh, the industrial side of things, uh, the 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 sentiment there is that these things are costly. You're gonna need to have like massive infrastructure for you to yeah. even begin thinking about implementing industrial IoT solutions. And, and yet, most of them, yes, absolutely. And yet most of them they don't realize that even the system that they already own are capable of actually uh, transmitting data because I mean, there's some sophisticated system that, system that started coming out in the 2010s, some as far back as, as 2005, 2006, some systems that are capable of actually like talking simple HTTP. So there, there are people who are sitting right now with existing equipment that is capable for, of actually transmitting data, but they they think it's something that is far-fetched, it's something that requires a whole lot of investment, it's something that requires a whole lot of, of, of time and effort to actually put uh, together. So that's one of the myths that I try and and and, and uh, actually bust with, uh, with, with my videos to try and, and actually demonstrate that this is something that is uh, can be done with like relatively cheap hardware, like uh, uh, the Raspberry yeah. Pi, as, as, as Lenny pointed out. And look, and, and I think it's important that people start tinkering and playing with these things, um, just to understand what the capability is and and just how easy it is to start getting it. Obviously, when you're going to scale, then you yeah, potentially need to have a little bit of, of, of um, you know, a little bit more robust infrastructure, but just to start with something. I think that's that's the great thing about your stuff is you 100%. 10 minutes and you've got something, right? You've got the concept, you've got the the comms going, you've got, hey, look, my machine learning algorithm is at least doing something. I think I think we think we almost tackling it as a as mm. a project. You know, we have to get the consultants in, we have to get the IT infrastructure guys in, we have to now design this architecture, we have to and for me, I mean uh, just start. I almost want to say, yes, there's important things. Don't get me wrong. Um, PLCs and devices and the control layer, yeah. they're mission critical. It's the heart of your business. It's not something that you can at any point in time, um, you know, compromise mm -hmm. from running your factory or your production side. Mm -hmm. But most of these things that, that you're doing, it's, it's only getting data out. It's read only. Yes. 
100%. Security is a big player getting data out of the automation space. Because in the past, we, we do see that there's been attempts of breaches, um, obviously coming back into the control layer. So you are mirrored to the IT guys and the security that we need to apply to this concept. But for most, most of it, if you're keeping it internal, just to start to play at least, yeah. there shouldn't be a barrier anymore to, to start to do these things. Do you find that, Kuzai, do you find that there's still a lot of perception around the, the expected cost and scale of these things? Yeah, uh, absolutely. There is, there is quite a, a whole lot of, uh, of, of, of um, uh, barriers uh, that is created by the, 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 the expectation. Uh, like, for example, something as, uh, as simple as the Raspberry Pi is, is, is not... Well, it's starting to change now, but uh, before, uh, like uh, two years or, or a couple of years back, it, it was actually unheard of for you to actually bring a, a Raspberry Pi to uh, a production plant, you know? So yeah. it's, it's something that is, is, is starting to change because the, there's so many uh, pieces of hardware that allow you to actually create some proof of concept without uh, actually disrupting the, 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 the product, production that, process. I so, put it sorry to interrupt you. Change. I think it was Advantic. I think they've just released a, a, an industrial uh, Pi version. It's quite a quite a sexy looking little device. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also there is, a, for example, uh, Node-RED. So Node-RED, uh, as you know, it's ordinarily it would run on a on a PC or Raspberry Pi or or like a, any kind of uh, of uh, 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 computing system. But it wasn't usable because obviously it would fall over. You can't really uh, trust it to 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 actually uh, yeah. uh, continuously collect and connect uh, the systems without any any kind of interruptions. But I was actually speaking to, to one of a startup company somewhere in Brazil that have actually built a, a robust gadget around that. They've actually gone ahead and built a whole operating system just to keep uh, Node-RED running because it's such a very powerful uh, language. So just to let it go to where simple because we don't have like the infrastructure that supports it or we, 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 we you, you can't use it with a normal PC because otherwise you'd have to write some some scripts to make sure that it doesn't fall over. Like there is, as, as, you, as you pointed out there with companies like Advantech, they are now really uh, uh, leveraging the, the, the robust nature of, of, of hardware to put these uh, software uh, in 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 uh, to make sure that we can actually use them in an industrial setup to to build some proof of concepts and make sure that we can actually understand uh, what it is all about this whole uh, concept of, of of industrial IoT without committing much because really industrial IoT is about you uh, like I think is Walker Reynolds would like to say that it's actually a strategy digital transformation it's a strategy it's not something that you expect yep. to do and finish at once so. Part of that is actually starting with something that is as simple as looking at how you can actually get data out of a, a single PLC, and then you build on that. It's a long-term strategy. So, being aware of these uh, a system system that allow you to prototype rapidly and actually move fast and test to see whether it works for you or not is something that is important for companies to start uh, looking at doing. So, yeah, it, it, to a certain extent, there is a whole lot of uh, of companies that are actually not going ahead with the, with the, with the industrial IoT implementation because they think that they have to wait until they are ready. They, they have to wait until they've got enough capital. 
they have to read to be read until they've got they've built a team around that yet you, you've got you, you've got to start doing something because that's exactly what's going to point you in what direction you need to 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 go once you start doing something yeah because I, I think you also have the luxury of i mean your audience is quite broad it's not just a south african base i think you one of the key things that uh, that's struck me when i was looking at some of your content is the the audience that you've built up outside of South Africa, uh, and not only on the continent, but but even globally. So you you have the luxury of a quite diverse audience and, and group of, of people that folks that follow you and your and your updates. What would you say are some of the most popular content that you create where you feel that potentially there is the biggest demand for? Um, is it a specific technology, a specific type of connectivity? Uh, is it uh, is it a specific cloud kind of connection? Uh, where do you find that people seem to have the, the biggest need for in terms of just learning really practical things? Okay, uh, it's it's hard really to say because I really get a, a mixture of everything. I mean, it, it happens, I mean, quite a lot with content, something that you'd expect. I mean, you, you get surprised all the time. Something that you'd expect is uh, uh, would, would, would actually perform well or to actually get a response. You might find that it might not give you the kind of response that you expect. And so I, I think it, 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 it boils down to how that uh, piece, that particular piece of content resonates with people because like for example yes. the uh, OPC UA series is something that resonated very well with people but it's something that I couldn't have known beforehand it's not something that I, I had information on to say people really want to find out this or people are really excited to know about this something that I thought let me just put this out there and find out how people respond but were you surprised, were you surprised, content, were, were you surprised by the interest of, of your OPC UA series yeah, I, I was. I was actually, honestly speaking, I was surprised. Well, I tried as much as possible to make it as simple as possible to actually make it accessible to a whole lot of uh, of people. Because the other challenge that we have is that mostly juniors, uh, people actually starting out with automation or students, because that's exactly looking at at uh, at my uh, the 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 age uh, range of my uh, uh, audience is is mostly people who are. Uh, in, in, in college, people who are doing their PhDs or people who are actually starting out uh, with an industrial automation career. And in most cases, these are people who think uh, that they like, who are, in a way, it's people who are sort of like afraid or, or, or think that there's so many things to know or to learn before you can actually start uh, putting together industrial automation systems. So what I try and do is. Yes. So what I try and do is to make it as simple as possible. And these are the same people who actually uh, find interest in that kind of content because they'll be like, okay, so this is this is how it, it works, you know, because it's people who never really had an, in, any interest in understanding that because they thought that there's a whole layers of complexity to it, which there are, of course, there is yes. quite a layer of complexity, particularly with, uh, with OPC UA, but it really needs someone to sort of like a damning damage down so that it's accessible to a whole lot of people who actually uh, have got the desire uh, to learn. So I tried to dumb it down to make it to make it accessible to a whole lot of people, but I did not anticipate that I would, I would actually get that uh, uh, kind of, of, of response, especially for like a very 
niche topic like OPC UA. I mean, it's yeah. something that is very specific and so focused that even some people within industrial automation are not interested in OPC UA at all. So to get people interested in that kind of topic, it's something that really uh, 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 surprised me in a way. And I think part of the dumbing down or part of that value um, or, the, or that uh, sort of interest, I suppose, uh, that, you, that you're seeing in something as simple as that and the fact that it is so easy, perceived to be so easy now and the feedback that you're getting, that definitely does open up uh, a couple of different avenues for you. You know, if we're thinking about potentially you are targeting sort of learners, um, uh, tertiary, uh, university, college, technicon, um, sort of young engineers, it definitely does open up an avenue for you to potentially look a little bit younger than that even, a little bit lower than that. Just on the back of the, the conversation that we had with Sunele last week about uh, a couple of the projects that she's involved in, in KZN specifically, um, to help young learners, uh, specifically early high school and late primary school, uh, just, again, uh, have a little bit of interest in, in the STEM field in engineering and mathematics and science. This is potentially an avenue even for you as well that you can maybe explore and understand how do you reach and help where it's definitely very needed and even younger audience than what you have at the moment. Yeah, certainly. Actually, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a responsibility that I'm actually uh, finding myself with, actually, the, now that you, you put it that way. It's something that I've, I've actually realized to say, okay, so I've actually I've got a responsibility now because, you know, especially the tertiary and the learners and the young people, they're not shy to actually jump into the inbox and say, man, that was some really cool stuff that you did there. Can you teach me more? I want to learn more. I need to learn more. Like, there's a whole lot of students and a whole lot of tertiary and a whole lot of young engineers who are not shy to come up and say, I need to learn this, it's fascinating. So I'm actually finding myself sitting with a responsibility now and it's actually uh, like influencing the trajectory of, of actually where this industry 4.0 is, is, is going. Because initially I, I, I sought to, to serve like professionals who are already in the industrial automation uh, space, like experienced professionals we just need to transition into uh, industrial IoT, but I'm actually finding myself having to actually concentrate more and more on the upcoming because they are the ones who are actually eager to learn. Uh, funny enough, with the with, with the with people who are actually seasoned, the seasoned professionals, uh, there is a certain level of of resistance, so to speak. Or uh, maybe yes. it's it's change. You know, obviously change is, is something that is difficult for people to 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 really uh, 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 comprehend and 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 actually understand. So. I'm actually finding myself to serve more and more because as a content uh, creator, I have to actually listen to the audience and see exactly where this is going. So obviously it makes sense for me to now uh, uh, actually target the young and upcoming uh, uh, engineers and also going down to high school level. I think that's exactly where this is going to go eventually because that's, that's, the, that's the kind of audience that is being receptive to my uh, message. Definitely. I, I think it would be so valuable specifically in that area as well. So if there's some way that you can that you can create the reach with this platform, I, I think it'll be incredibly valuable just, just for our future, I suppose, and, and, and the youth uh, to be able to have this kind of a head start when it comes to tech and specifically industrial tech, uh, where there are just so many opportunities. I think that is something that, and I'm so happy that you that you've considered that, that you thought about that. I think it's a great opportunity. Um, I wanted to chat a little bit about 
uh, tech. So a couple of weeks ago, we had an interview or we hosted Arlen Nipper on the, on the podcast. We spoke about all things NQTT and we were, well, Lenny probably wasn't. I was quite surprised to discover just exactly how long NQTT has been around for. And then Arlen spoke a little bit about Sparkplug B um, and OPC UA specific companion pieces that it fits where it fits in. What are your thoughts on, on, on Sparkplug B and MQTT? We're quite excited about it. We feel that, um, you know, that's definitely where the future is headed in terms of being able to standardize um, a couple of things within our space. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, yeah. Well, I, personally, I think MQTT is, is like one of the most uh, revolutionary technologies to, uh, technologies to actually uh, uh, happen in the industrial uh, space because it that that's one thing that really changes the, the whole setup in an in, in a in a in a in a industrial uh, hierarchy of of of, uh, of different systems because uh, ordinarily with the with, with the kind of of, of client server approach that is uh, currently prevalent uh, in the industrial automation space it's it's hard really to 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 onboard new systems because systems are so tightly coupled together using that kind of, of, of pattern. So what MQTT does, it's sort of, it's sort of like uh, it democratizes the, 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 the participation exactly. in, the, in the industrial IT, yes, in the, in, the, in the market, because then everything is, is being reduced to some, some level of plug and play, uh, but not, not, it's not fully plug and play yet, but I'm going to touch on that a bit. So, but MQTT is, 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 is that special in the sense that it, it allows that decoupled nature of, of, of industrial uh, components because before that it, it, it actually it was it still is because obviously MQTT is not yet uh, uh, widespread whereby for you to actually get a, a, a device from one vendor communicating with an application from another vendor you've yeah. got to have like drivers protocol drivers you've got to understand exactly what language they speak and you've got to know exactly where they are located as far as the IP address is concerned. So it's such a tightly coupled system, but with yeah. MQTT, because you are communicating through a centralized broker, uh, it, it, it actually hides all the implementation details. You can then plug in a, a device uh, from a different vendor and allow it to communicate with an application from another vendor because they don't really need to know uh, anything about each other at all. They don't even know yes. where this, they don't even need to know where the other participant is located. So that is revolutionary. And it's it's also something that is uh, 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 challenging uh, in the industrial uh, automation space now because it forces people to really think, like to, to really like forget what they know about building systems because now that's a whole different uh, paradigm of, of actually communicating now because you've got to arrange your systems differently. The architecture of it changes totally. And yes. it's something that I've found that uh, people are actually uh, uh, um, uh, uh, struggling to grasp, you know, because obviously it changes because people still uh, try and approach with the same kind of mentality to say, okay, this is how it's done, but they don't understand that what MQTT or the pub sub protocols are doing, they're actually changing the whole nature of, of actually interaction, of interaction of different components in the, uh, in the in the market or in, 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 yes. in the industrial in the industrial automation ecosystem. Now, I mentioned also with the 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 the, the plug and play aspect of it to say yes, MQTT might be revolutionary in that sense that it allows 
uh, it democratizes the, the, the participation of different components, but there's still work to be done as far as uh, defining the payload, because obviously if I'm uh, vendor A, I've got a, a device and I need to communicate to vendor B, Yes. Vendor B has to know if I'm sending a packet via MQTT, fair enough, I can do that uh, in a decoupled environment, but I've got to have a way of actually knowing exactly how that data is structured, how is it structured. So the only way of knowing that is by uh, having like a, a predetermined uh, sort of agreement to say, okay, this is how my packet is going to arrive to you, and this is how you are going to have to decode it. So Sparkplug is sort of like feeling that void to say, okay, we, we, have to, uh, we have to agree to a certain standard to say, this is how we're now defining the payload. We're not just sending uh, packets, we're, we're not just sending MQTT packets and receiving, because obviously at the, at the other end, the engineer still needs to write the code to decode that. And then they have to have that information beforehand for them to actually write that script. But we need it to be seamless. We need it to be plug and play eventually, because that's exactly where the value is in the industrial IT ecosystem, because everyone gets to benefit if, if I can extract value from having your uh, uh, compressor, uh, if someone is using my, my scatter system and there is your compressor there and I can talk to your compressor seamlessly, that's value for me, that's value for you. So it's something that has to have a concerted effort. And I think it's actually going in the right direction as far as Sparkplug P is, is, is concerned because there's a whole lot of companies that are coming on board and, and actually contributing to that standard. And it's something that, that looks very uh, promising uh, yeah. at the moment. And um, also with OPCA, the companion specifications uh, uh, aspect of, of it, it's exactly where we're saying OPCA is taking care of all the transportation of information, of all the exchange of, 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 of packets and the semantics of it, but still they lacks uh, the, 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 the black and play aspect of it. So the, 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 the interoperability, I would say, is the key sticking point today. Yes. If, if someone actually comes up with a way of solving that, I think that would be a very valuable <laughs> contribution to the ecosystem. That, that's something that is really sticking out as, at, at the moment, because in as much as Sparkplug and, uh, Spark, Spark, Spark and uh, OPCA companion specifications, in as much as they're actually meant to address that, they're still not yet mature to a certain extent. So it's something that is still lacking because there's a whole lot of, 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 of systems that are not yet uh, uh, implementing that. Yeah, and and to your point, could say that's exactly what Arden Lipper realized. Um, he realized that if this whole notion of interoperability um, as a, a plug and play as per se is going to work, um, then the Sparkplug protocol must be adopted. And he made a decision to pretty much give it away as an open standard. Yeah. Um, there's there's companies now on a board that they've started up a forum that um, obviously going to invest into the, the, the adv advanced and the evolvement of the or evolving of the protocol as per se. Mm. It's obviously, a, 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 of course, as part of the Eclipse Foundation. It's part of the Eclipse there's a, Foundation. There's a couple of folks and, and people involved with uh, 100%. the Eclipse Foundation. And, and um, we can just hope that device vendors, that network vendors, that IoT platform vendors mm. adopt this open standard. Um, if we really want this notion of node-to-node -node communication and data is available from your IoT platform back to your machine to really start making smart decisions by itself, then these open standards must get more adopted. There's no more point of having Absolutely. a specific API or an SDK kit 
that you now need to program and code else we're sitting again with spaghetti integration and it's definitely not if we, if we want the world to seamlessly integrate exactly. between sensors devices and gateways regardless of what they may be it's the best chance we have 100 and i think yeah to that point i mean yeah absolutely I mean, yeah sure go ahead sorry so i think to that point i mean i think people are also getting confused a bit there are hundreds of iot platforms out there um, if I just mention the top three, you know, obviously AWS, uh, Google, Azure, um, and people might also start getting confused. Jeez, which one do I not actually use? Which one, which one will give me my better fit with which software platform do I go? It's, it's almost immaterial, right? Um, they all will give you the same thing. Um, mm. I can't tell you now AWS is going to be better than, or TensorFlow from Google is going to be better than Streamline Analytics from, from Azure. That's almost not the point. It's not the point. The mm. point is that the data that you need to store and get up becomes a commodity. Data is becoming a commodity. It doesn't care about where it's in which IoT platform it sits. It's about getting the data there and start making use of it. And the only way that we're going to make use of it is by utilizing the open standards. And and your videos speak from itself, Kutsai. How many videos do you have where you utilize Node-RED and MQTT to push to TensorFlow, AWS, Azure? Doesn't matter which the platform is the top, but your mechanism, the driving mechanism that you utilize to get it there is, is always the same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I think I actually uh, mentioned something uh, to that effect some, some, some time back to see, to, to say that this, the, the cloud really is now becoming a, a commodity uh, to, to a certain extent. It doesn't really matter because actually all the different uh, suites of, uh, of, 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 of cloud platforms, they offer exactly, it's actually becoming carbon copy of each other because they offer exactly the same components with just a different name. I mean, we've got mm. the IoT Hub in Azure, and then we've got the IoT Core AWS. We've got like, like we've got a, a, a stream analytics with the IoT Hub. And then we've got the Lambda with the with the with the with the AWS. So it's 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 just a, a, an exchange of of, uh, of 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 names. It's just but it's the concept behind it is the same. Once you master one, you already know how to actually operate uh, on the other one. But what is what is becoming evident now is the adoption of MQTT. I think that's something that is very becoming clear and clear as we actually go along to say MQTT is becoming the the. The protocol of choice i mean that's one thing that is common across all these different cloud platforms and all the different uh, industrial iot well, it should uh, be it should yes. be so i would i would just uh, advise our listeners if you're shopping for an iot platform do a little bit on your homework um don't get uh, swooped by the smooth salesman make sure that the platform that you're going to choose is going to conform to these open standards you, you should not be old ransom for data that you push into a cloud yeah, absolutely. I mean, so uh, just to, to reinforce the point of uh, interoperability, something that I would actually uh, like to see happen more is because, I mean, we've like ascertained the fact that uh, MQTT is like really becoming the code to like the de facto kind of standard of, of, of uh, uh, communication. So what I would like to see happening more is having on the back end uh, components that are able to actually uh, talk spark plug because that's something that is, is actually uh, missing right now because with Azure, they've got like a whole different kind of components uh, that actually uh, get data from the IoT Hub and then they help you with uh, processing that data. But they are, maybe, I don't know of any, but maybe it's out there, but it's something I think 
there isn't currently uh, some components that uh, natively talk Spark Plug, such that you can actually send your information from the device to the IoT hub, and then you've got a, a, a Spark Plug receiver on the other end that will actually make it easy to communicate because currently you have to actually build your own uh, system on the cloud. So, but I think eventually we're going to see that happening once it, 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 uh, it, it, the adoption of Spark Plug uh, increases. I, I think that's happening, Kutsai. I think with the work that Sirius Link yeah. is doing with the cloud injector modules, um, I know that they are working very hard to get that notion ready that the spark plug will actually build your model for you already with the metadata associated with it. I think they are working very closely um, to do that. And I think they actually have um, some cloud uh, injector modules that already does that um, and working with this likes of, of AWS be able to to consume that spark plug B topic. So I think I think we're getting there. I think that it's it's definitely that's, yeah, uh, that's becoming a, a notion. So I think we are getting there definitely. Yeah. Cool. A little bit of a tech conversation. How to use MQTT to overcome obstacles in the IoT integration world. But fascinating. I, I wanted to ask you, Kutza, one of the things that I obviously didn't mention right up front is that the the incredible content that you're producing and and the platform that you have that you've made available. It's not monetized at all. So, in other words, you've you've created, uh, and you are creating incredible content tutorials. We didn't even uh, go through what is available, what you produce. There are toolkit videos, tutorials. Um, you do a uh, you try and stick to a weekly uh, podcast or update, which is an in-depth technical discussion. Um, you have different workshops that you run on a, on a fairly regular cadence as well. That's quite a lot of content. And right now, none of that is monetized. You're providing all of that to the world on your platform for free and at no charge. What's the, which is incredible, by the way, what's the, what's the plan? What's the vision? So really, uh, the plan is to make sure that I, I, uh, I never like get to a point where I'm um, have have to charge uh, the audience. So the the plan really is to get like uh, uh, corporate on board, you know, to try and and, and help along in in, in delivering the uh, the content. Because what we want to do is to make sure that uh, the audience they, they they to remove any kind of friction with with, with the audience. I mean, because. Right now, if you actually put a, a course and, and actually charge that, and, and, and it's it, you, you already you're, you're actually particularly in, 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 the, in the case of, 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 of the African context, there's very few students who actually afford to pay for uh, an online course, you know. So because I mean, they can hardly pay for, 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 for their uh, education, school fees and everything like that. So to even put that barrier and, 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 and that, that, that kind of friction, I think it's something that would slow down the uh, the the, the, the adoption of industrial IT because for me really the mission is to make sure that as much people get to implement industrial IT as possible so that's yeah. that's that's the whole goal so uh, eventually what uh, the plan is is to bring uh, corporate on board to try and 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 finance the 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 vision and to make sure that we never really get to uh, uh, charge the end user so currently that's what the 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 trajectory of the company 
is going. So obviously right now we have to put out as much value as as possible, you know, credibility and everything, so yes. that you can actually rally the, the 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 support of the corporate once they actually understand what the mission is. Once they actually understand what the vision is, it will be easy for the corporate uh, sector to actually rally behind you. So that's exactly where uh, I'm, I'm taking this. That's exactly where this is going with industry for detecting. Okay. Sorry, can I backtrack just before that to just yes. to clarify my <laughs> yes, it's it's definitely happening. So um, there is already a Sparkplug B um, implementation done to AWS as sitewise component where it will automatically discover assets and models um, by utilizing the Sparkplug B protocol. Um, so it's definitely happening. And, and I'm glad to see that, that these type of technologies is, is getting utilized and, and using it to make this plug and play world a little yeah. bit easier and simpler. But again, I wanna, I wanna commend you on, on, on being able to, to show us everything, right? Show us AWS, show us that you're not bound to, to a vendor, that you're not bound to, to um, any hardware, but you're bound to the cause. And as Yaku said, not being monetized for it um, that is really commendable that you that you're going strong with it. Yeah, and and hopefully hopefully we can help spread the word for you. And uh, especially if there is a vision and a mission, I suppose, to include a little bit of a younger audience where, where it's definitely needed. Um, have people enter the universities, colleges, and and technicons of of that we have available already with a little bit of background and, and understanding of how to connect things. Uh, with machines and people. Um, that's definitely going to serve our industry over the long term so much better uh, than what we've seen over the last little while. So that's that's amazing work. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. And I think these are the, the right people to start tinkering again. Um, and I would everybody that's listening to to this podcast, I would I would encourage you guys start to tinker. Like get a little pie, plug yeah. it in. And follow Kudzai. Follow Kudzai. <laughs> Look at his videos. Yes, yes, how many videos do you have now? You've, you've literally, I, I can't see how many of them are online, but you must have a couple of hundred tutorials and videos now. Yeah, it's, it's quite a lot. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> You're not sure yourself. <laughs> so, definitely yeah, listen so to Yeah, but well, this. this. <laughs> Sorry, Kudzai. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, there's more to come. I mean, like, there's, there's still more to come. So yeah, definitely check out the channel and, and make sure you, 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 you follow the videos and try it out yourself because that's, that's exactly where things are going. It's not something that's just going to happen for a year and then we go back to business. That's, that's the new business, this one. So obviously you've got to try it out. You've got to familiarize yourself with it and make sure that you are competent in the, in, in the, in the 21st century. Because that's, that's, that's the literacy. That's the 21st century literacy. It's not about just knowing how to use a computer anymore or knowing how to read and write, but understanding how systems work and understanding how to put them together. I mean, it, it doesn't matter whether you're in industrial automation space, you're an accountant. I, I always say to my accountant friend to say, you, you can't just be an accountant. I mean, it's no longer enough now. You can't just say, no, I'm, account, I'm an accountant. So just you've got to know, you've got to learn Python, you've got to understand data science, you've got to do that because the, the fact of the matter is that the, the, the technology is just going to change the whole landscape. I mean, your value is just going to diminish day after day. Uh, the, 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 the internet becomes uh, the, the sort of like the, the, the unifying factor. So you've got to understand how all these systems work. It doesn't matter what field you're in, but you've got to start tinkering with these things because 
it's, it's, it's very important. Actually, it's, it's something that you really need to, to do to safeguard your career. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I think it's that crucial and that important for everybody. And the world has changed. I think the, the lines across different roles and, and professions and you know, the common denominator in all of that is technology. Uh, and it probably serves everybody very well, um, or certainly a much wider audience than just your hardcore engineers. Uh, definitely serves that audience very well to have a basic understanding of how these things fit together and how they work. And it will, if, if you're a if you're a graduate or a student listening to this, it will definitely increase your your possibility of getting getting a job or a graduate program. I think in the engineering world, um, you know, a CV is not going to be a CV anymore. It's not about what you've got on the paper. It's almost going to become like uh, like the architects have. They've got their little portfolio. Of, of drawings and projects that they've done. I think CVs in the engineering world must also become with, you know, what have you done? Show me, show me a skater screen or show me some integration that you've done. Show me an actual project. And it's definitely something that can boost, boost your CV and your, and your career opportunities. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. Time. Thank you very much. Um, f- sorry. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw in one last word. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, it's actually a, a, a reality that uh, I remember the I was having a conversation with a friend here, and then I was saying to them, actually we have to change the way that we we actually uh, teach our kids. I mean, when you go to school and then you ask the kids what would you like to be when you grow up, obviously the kids they still stick to the same, but they don't know better. Of course, they still stick to the same. Uh, uh, things like I want to be a doctor, I want to be an accountant, and stuff like that. But we've got to plant that seed very early because. The way the, the, the world is going to be disrupted, it's, it's going to like be, it's, it's, the technology is going to turn the world upside down in such an extent that Absolutely. a doctor is highly likely, a doctor is highly likely to go out of a job before the nurse because the doctor's job is just to analyze stuff. A, a doctor is a data processing uh, human being basically to analyze and make decisions. Yeah, whereas a nurse, a nurse really nursing is something that requires the, the dexterity and like the physical handling of a patient so with, with technology a doctor is highly likely to go out of a job before a nurse so it, it, it's, it's a whole way of thinking that we really need to plant into our kids as 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 as, as young as, as 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 grade one or two so for, so for them to understand that this is actually a different way of thinking the same career that we have always had coming from the 1950s to the uh, early 2000s is no longer the same we've got to really think uh, deeply about this uh, you you always you will always have someone that needs to fix the robots <laughs> <laughs> i think it was the conversation with Sinelli where we spoke about um the massive opportunity not the risk of people losing their jobs but the massive opportunity that exists to help reskill people uh, to apply them elsewhere to add value and focus on things where human beings make a difference um, being using that creative capability. Because um, I awesome, we love chatting with you about all things education, uh, MQTT, Sparkplug B, a lot of, lot of three-letter acronyms and things that we're throwing in there. Uh, I think it was Alan that said that MQTT, this, the whole topic and, uh, and payload definition to him is, is like the HTTP of the, of the IoT world. 100%. Um, could I say anything that you specifically want any of our listeners to check out, follow, go visit to support you? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, I've got a, a YouTube channel. 
if you can just go to uh, Industry 40 TV on YouTube, uh, subscribe, and then you'll be able to check out uh, the content there. That's where I post most of my content. And then also on LinkedIn, I'm Kutsai Mandi Teresa. You can uh, check out my content and you can request for connection. Um, I'll always be happy to connect with you there. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Kutsai, thank you again for your, for your time. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Lenny, I think we over time. Yeah, it was time flew by so quickly. So yeah. As always with these topics and discussions, we can speak for hours. Definitely. Uh, especially when it comes to the tech. Eh? Of course. <laughs> not for sure. Thank you very much for listening yeah. to <laughs> especially when you're passionate about it. Thank you very much for listening to the Human and Machine Podcast. That was Kudzai Mandi Teresa. Uh, doing incredible work educating and spreading the word around the tech that's available to us, how to harness it, how to make it work for you in a very simple and easy way. So there was Kudzai. Be sure to check him out on LinkedIn as, as well as YouTube. Yeah, and as always, um, the Human Machine Podcast is all about education. Um, it's all about education. Just being helpful. We're not professional by in any way. So if <laughs> We're just got, trying to share some stories. If you've got any topics any celebrities other than myself <laughs> that you would like to get on the podcast to really just educate the industrial um, community that we have here in South Africa, please, guys, uh, we would love to get your topics and feedback. Uh, podcast at element8.co.za. As always, please get those topics rolling in. Fantastic. Thank you. And I think next week we recorded with Herman Skippers, I think, all about AI and machine learning. Uh, we still have to publish that one, broadcast that one. We are touching on cybersecurity next week, uh, specifically around the sort of conversions of IT and OT number one and number two on the back of COVID. Uh, just what some of the observations and trends have been in the cybersecurity world. Uh, which is a pretty scary place. We are chatting with one of the experts in that field next week. But yeah, thank you for listening. And as always, cheers. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.